Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Science. I am your host, Ethan Edinburgh, and today is a very special episode. It's the 200th episode, although might have gotten our math wrong and this could be 201, but either way, it's a celebration of 200 gosh darn episodes of this podcast and also a farewell because this is the last episode of this podcast i am here uh joined with the lovely emily feld the producer of the show and brett kushner the executive producer of the show hello emily and brett hello hello so just complete transparency here. We were creating a 200th episode that we were going to basically interview, do, do kind of like short update catch-up interviews with a few scientists and just thank them for coming on the show and see what's up with them. And then about halfway through, we kind of got notified that uh, companies were merging, worlds were colliding, and the show was going to be uh, put down. Is that the nice way to say it? It's maybe not quite the nicest way. Uh, you know, we're, we're sunsetting this uh, show for now uh, is the, the nicest way to say it, maybe. Yeah, that sounds like a good way that a parent would tell a kid about their pet. Yeah, maybe we'll get another pet one day. That's true. Yeah, exactly. That's always the best remedy, I find. Is maybe, maybe they'll invent a... pet cloning soon. <laughs> we can just do a pod about that. Yeah. That's true. Listen, I, I got to say from my end... Obviously, first of all, thank you to everybody that is listening to this or that has listened to the show and enjoyed it. Thank you to you, Brett, and to you, Emily. Um, I really appreciate all the work you guys have put into the show. And it's just been so fun for me. It's like weird to think that I won't be talking to a scientist and a comedian at the same time <laughs> once a week from now on. Um, it's just been so such a such a delight, such a delightful part of my life uh that's been i don't know three years now so anyway yeah just um really appreciate you guys listening and maybe we'll yeah get together in the future i hope we do and make some sort of podcast that will help me learn things i still 200 episodes in feel like i don't know anything um but every now and then i am at a bar and someone mentions something about a weird body part and i go oh actually did you know you know, this, this is why this is why we have toes. Um, I mean, to be honest, one of the reasons we picked you as host was because we thought, you know, we need to find a guy who, even after four years of a show, <laughs> still sounds like he doesn't know anything. <laughs> That's me. You got the perfect guy. Um, yeah, I I will always feel like that. I think I think there's always more to learn. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just been so much fun. And and Brett, I really appreciate you supporting me in this position from the beginning. Um, Emily hopped on. What, do you know what episode you hopped on? Uh, on? I remember the first episode I helped with was 
it was an Avengers one. It was Avengers Infinity mm. War, I think, or Endgame. Like, I wasn't fully working with you guys yet, but I remember, like, looking up a bunch of questions for you um, to use. I appreciate yes. that. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty early on, it feels like. feels like we've been doing this together for a long time. Emily's if you been... were, Yeah, if it was Avengers, we did both Avengers around the same time, episode 53 and 57. Yeah, that was uh, early. Which is in June, May and June of 2019. Yeah. That makes sense because then I started working with the podcast team in July of 2019. So, wow, that's awesome. Well, you've been just an, an incredible asset to the team, Emily. So unbelievably professional and always puts people in a good mood. Uh, right? I mean, you people don't hear this, but right before we always start recording the pod, you know, Emily comes on and tells people what's up and checks their their technology and it's just such a such a delight to to tag team that with you um well, thank you it's just mental thank lot. you it's been really fun it's uh it's a really cool podcast that i feel like we're teaching people so many things in such a cool way and i've learned a ton and the amount of scientists we've had on this show is something to celebrate i know we have had a bunch of repeats of some excellent guests but we really touched yeah. all different subjects and areas of science, which is so cool. And it's really been great. I mean, I love this show. It's been so much fun to work on and you've been such a fun host to work with. Well, thank you. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely correct. The scientists are unbelievable. I got to thank each of them individually. Could you imagine if I actually read a list of all 200 <laughs> scientists that were on the show? I can't thank you all individually, but know that I am thinking about all of you and saying thank you immensely for taking the time to be on the show. Same goes to the comedians and same goes to, you know, Lucas uh, Bollinger who helped out on the show towards the beginning as well, which was huge. And, and Megan Bates also who played an instrumental role and, and Brent Butler who made a bunch of like super strange, really silly sketches with me that we used to put up top on the shows that I had so much fun making. Um, and really just the whole Seeker team, you know, they, they weren't super hands-on, which also I think shows how cool they are. Um, but, you know, anytime that we had any or that I had any, you know, uh, communication back and forth with anybody at Seeker was always awesome, delightful people. Um, so I want to thank them as well for, for allowing us to do the show. And, and with that, I guess let's roll into our, our first clip. We have a couple clips of uh, a few little tiny, like mini interviews, check-in interviews I did with a couple scientists. So we'll roll into the first one and then we will say our, our goodbyes afterwards. But until next uh, infotainment podcast adventure, I just want to say thank you. So thank you. So... We're here celebrating our 200th episode. I'm here with paleontologist Dr. Alyssa Bell. She was on the show way back June 19th, 2018, and then again October 22nd, 2019, talking about Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Thank you for your third and, by comparison, quite brief visit on the show, Alyssa. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Congratulations on 200 episodes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I don't know if uh, just asking really silly questions 200 times merits uh, congratulations, but I thank you for saying it anyways. Um, but uh, but yeah, what has been up? Have you discovered a new species of dinosaur? 
Do you are you haunted by a ghost dinosaur tooth? Uh, what's what's been happening lately? <laughs> Um, so no new species on my plate uh, since we last spoke. Uh, COVID, unfortunately, uh, put a pause on a lot of our field work, uh, but we are getting back into the swing of things now. So we are planning uh, several expeditions this coming summer. We've got a stegosaurus to dig up uh, at the Whoa. Natural History Museum. Uh, we've got um, some other sites to revisit um, and see how they've held up in our absence. So we have some exciting things coming up. Um, kind of kept busy with, with getting papers written. So there are a couple of new um, paleo ornithology, so fossil bird papers that wow. I've gotten out uh, over the pandemic time period. So uh, doing the best we can, all in all. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I was I was hoping to come to some sort of dig. And then that is sort of when the pandemic hit. And then I put everything on pause as everyone did but when you say you have to dig up a stegosaurus what does that mean exactly like you know there's one there like there's part of it that's been discovered yeah so it was actually um it was first discovered several years ago like maybe maybe up to like eight or ten years ago um and in utah and no one was able to go excavate it at the time and so the Whoa. bureau of land management uh, reached out to the museum and said hey we've got this stegosaur kind of need to do something about it. And so uh, we did a really short scouting trip last summer just to see what the site looked like, what the logistics were, and it looks good. So we are going to go back this summer with the full crew and hopefully we will get that excavated uh, this summer and bring it home and get it all cleaned up and, and see what we got. Man, that is awesome. And are you using, are there like more, because when I think about what you're doing out there digging, I really do think about Jurassic Park. That's like the only comparison that I have in my head. So are you out there with those tools that they had in 93 or whatever it was? Or have are th have there been advancements in? Are you out there essentially with desert robots now? Um, sadly, no, we, we do not have desert robots. We have volunteers for manual labor. Um, so <laughs> we actually haven't really upgraded our tools since the 1800s in a lot of respects. So we use cars, not horses wow. most of the time. That's good. Um, okay. But no, we still use dental picks and brushes, and occasionally we get to use a jackhammer, which is always exciting, but that's about as sophisticated as we get. Wow, that's wild. That's, it feels like the, it's, it's, you're working in like an untouched uh, occupation. You know, you're, you're taking a trip through history every time you go out there, not just in what you're digging up, but like in the procedure. Yeah, there's a lot of hiking. There's a lot of camping. Uh, it, it really is a... a whole whole day experience that we get into out there yeah have you been doing that just because i assume you love it also you know if you weren't allowed to go digging did you do the rest of the activities did you go hiking and camping with nothing to dig oh yes i go camping all the time even if i i don't get to dig up dinosaurs it's not quite as much fun but it's better than not camping at all can you give me like a top three reasons I should consider camping? Because I have a friend who's begging me to go all the time. And I always tell him the same thing, which is, no, I'm not going camping. That sounds like I'm asking to be eaten by a bear. Okay, well, we'll go someplace without bears. I would recommend that. That's a good tip. Uh, I'm not a big fan of camping in bear country. Um, <laughs> I like not having electricity. I like not having my phone Ooh. yelling at me all the time. So that, that for me, that's a pro. That's a plus, um, yeah. I quite enjoy being out of the city. So I like the quiet. I like the smell of nature. I just like being around it. Um, 
I, I like having the, the sense that my time is entirely my own mm. and nobody else has any sort of mandates on it. And I find that camping is the best place to get that. Okay. Pretty convincing, but nice job. That's, that's pretty good. Maybe I'll try it out. I'll report back to you and, uh, and I'll keep an eye out also for, you know, any bones or fossils I see around and, uh, and let you know. Um, but, uh, but Alyssa, I hope we do another episode soon. It's always such a delight to talk to you. I hope all is going well and continues to go well. And just thank you so much for, for being on the show in those, in those early days and for, uh, and for joining me today. Yeah, you're very welcome. Happy to talk to you always. Okay, great. Well, I'm sure there's stuff we can talk about soon. I think they're making like a new Jurassic movie every year now. So I'm sure we'll be, we'll be talking. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. Hi, everybody. So we are talking with Dr. Daniel Blumstein, professor of the Department of Ecology. What am I saying? Department of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology at UCLA. We spoke about JAWS in October of 2019. How's it been since then, sir? Well, I think I've been locked in with everyone else, but aside from that, um, research continues and, and some research continues. Uh, I can't go everywhere and do everything, but uh, it's okay. Nice. Yeah. Were you like doing, you know, I, I'm sure certain things, yeah, did get canceled or, you know, uh, postponed or whatnot, but were there, were there things that you were able to do? Were you able to do certain like local expeditions or something? Yeah, you know, um, my work in Colorado uh, was paused initially. Um, this is now, a, we've just completed our 60th year of studying this population of yellow-bellied marmots. Wow. Um, a lot of questions about fear, a lot of questions about other things as well. But um, no, we weren't allowed to go to Gunnison County until the end of May, and we start usually in the middle of April. So that was sort of a big problem. Um, but we were allowed to go. A lot of UCLA projects weren't allowed to do field work, and um, we were able to work normally last year. I work in Australia as well, and I haven't been there since 2019. Wowzers. Yeah, that, that does make sense. So you guys got special treatment. You got special marmot VIP access. Marmot VIP access. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, since we were talking about JAWS, have, have there been any recent uh, shark updates? Is there some sort of new, uh, the biggest species of shark ever that to exist that's been discovered? Yeah, I think so. Um, I haven't been following the shark updates as much, although as a surfer, I follow the shark attack updates uh, quite well. I mean, okay. you know, very, very few people get killed by sharks. Um, as we recover shark populations, there's going to be some risk, um, you know, to this. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they're happening. Um, they're happening in California. We're seeing more sharks in California, which is a good problem. I mean, I was going to say, it sounds like a good sharks. Thing. People are getting nipped in Australia as well. And each of these is quite depressing and, and tragic. But, um, you know, relatively more people are killed by falling coconuts every year than by shark attacks. Okay, that's good. And and am I right to assume that maybe they were doing something foolish in order to get attacked by a shark? It seems no, like... No, I mean, if you're surfing, I don't think that's foolish, but, you know. Um, okay, so mostly surfers. So, yeah, surfers, divers. Okay, gotcha. Well, Swimmers. yeah, that is... That is sad. That is tragic. And I hope that uh, those people survive. I hope they're okay. Um, but I guess the plus side, the bright side is that it seems like what you're saying is that shark populations are recovering. So that's nice. Yeah, they are. They play a really vital role in, in the ecology of our oceans. And predators in general are really important. And communities without predators 
Um, I mean, what's life without fear? I mean, we wouldn't be going to movies anymore, right? You know, you gotta, you gotta sort of open your eyes when you go in the water. But no, I mean, uh, they, uh, predators play a really important ecological role in function ecosystems, and sharks play a very important role in, um, you know, aquatic ecosystems. Okay, awesome. I love that. Um, I'm glad that our efforts, I assume it's mostly because of this podcast that sharks are being saved. I hope so. I mean, you know, that's why I'm on it. So to sort of yeah. you know, leverage your impact. Yeah. And remind people how important marmots are and to respect marmots the marmots. Marmots are okay. Marmots are okay. <laughs> it's a funny, funny coming from you. I feel like if there's going to be an advocate, it'd be you. I don't think anybody else has come on the podcast raving about marmots. Well, that's just because they don't know. But I mean, I rave about giant clams. I just came back from uh, Morea. So I was teaching a field course two years ago. And while I'm teaching the field course, I'm like, the world is going to shut down. And then it did. Um, and this was the first field course we could teach at UCLA two years later. And we were able to safely bring a group there. And we were there for a little over about a month. And uh, it worked out really well. And uh, we continued studies of giant clams, which are the coolest animals on Earth. What makes giant clams so cool? First of all, we study little ones, but they can grow really big. Um, and, you know, if you're interested in any predator behavior, the really important thing is you want to be able to scare something and have it stick around. So giant clams aren't going anywhere. They're sessile marine invertebrates, meaning they're big and they're sort of embedded in coral or on the ground. And you can go up and touch them and they don't like being touched and they close their mantle. Um, mm -hmm. And then you can study that. And we're studying all sorts of questions about um, the energetics of fear and how it's costly. So two years ago, students and I put boxes over them and prevented them from photosynthesizing. That's the other thing. Clams are an animal, yet they photosynthesize, wow. which itself is super cool. Yeah. So then this time we fertilized the clams to see if we could influence their energetic state and therefore influence their the decisions they make. These are universal questions. Clams just happen to be really good to ask them in. And they're beautiful organisms and they stick around to be poked and prodded. So who, what's not to like about giant clams? Yeah, what's not to like? Um, I mean, people do eat clams, so I guess that's also something to like, but maybe not these. These are too big. Oh, uh, well, they, they eat, they absolutely eat them. The only place we can study them is in a marine protected area where they're not eaten. Mm -hmm. um, and even while we were studying them, something ate one of them because we have we <laughs> identified all of them. And one day my students came out of the water and they said, number 44, it's missing. <laughs> I said, it was eaten. <laughs> It was lunch. Lunch. <laughs> Octopuses, sharks, uh, other wow. fish eat them. Okay, awesome. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you joining me once again and just telling me what you've been up to. And I hope that we can chat one day in the near future and you can tell me even more so about all these wondrous creatures. I'm thrilled you're up to 200 episodes and keep going. It's a great show. Oh, thank you so much, Daniel. Much appreciated, sir. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Hi, everybody. I'm here with my old pal, Dr. Alan Castell. Um, we had spoken about Sully, and we spoke about one of my favorite films, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and now you're back to, uh, to talk with me for a little while, and I really appreciate it, Dr. Alan. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, uh, it's been a while. As Emily reminded me, we haven't spoken since we were doing in-person episodes. So I know it's definitely been at least, you know, two years or so, a year and a half at least. Um, so I just wanted to 
check in with you and see if you're working on anything new, if you have any brain memory updates for us, anything of that nature. Yeah, thanks. Well, I think my research is really focused on how we selectively remember important information. And I think since we last spoke, uh, we've done a number of studies looking at age-related changes. So specifically, as we get older, our memory might decline, we might not remember as much, we might get frustrated by not remembering specific instances, and yet we might be more selective about what we try and remember. So we've now determined that older adults can really focus on things that they're most interested in, that they're curious about, um, and despite some memory failures, this kind of allows our, our brain to hone in on what's important. And I think um, as we get older, even if it is frustrating that we do forget, some things, it's impressive that we can do this despite all the accumulated knowledge and clutter that builds up in the brain. And that's some, some recent research suggests that age-related memory loss isn't really loss per se. It's more like harder to access the information because there's just more interference in the brain. Okay. Well, this is perfect. Not just for me, but I'm sure for everybody listening because I'm paranoid about my memory. I'm always trying to improve it. I'm always trying, I, I, I do get frustrated when I can't remember certain things, um, even if they're stupid things. I, that, you know, a lot of the time I'm interested in it, but I still can't access it. And your book is called Better With Age. I have it, I've read it, it's fantastic. I recommend it to everybody. But can you give us, especially since this is our last episode, some, some tips, some advice on how we can uh, strengthen the accessibility of these memories? Yeah, certainly. I think what's important to consider is as we get older, um, a lot of age-related memory changes are normal and to be expected. Um, and some of these things include forgetting names, forgetting where you put something. Um, but if it's more pronounced, like you have trouble remembering how to get home from a shopping center, that could be more concerning. So um, I outline in the book, uh, Better With Age, The Psychology of Successful Aging, kind of the latest research, but also interviews with older adults who are both impressive, but are also challenged by all the things that happen as we get older, which can include things like retirement and um, lately scams, which is really on the rise. So how we can avoid these things. Um, so I, I summarize it kind of in terms of the ABCs of successful aging. Um, and the first one is attitude. Our attitude about aging really influences how we age. So if we have a negative attitude or if we feel like aging is all about decline, then we might not engage in activities that really do help us age well, like exercise and social connections. Um, and B is balance. Balance is incredibly important both physically and mentally. One in three people over the age of 65 will experience a fall. And if you fall and break your hip or your collarbone, you're going to be immobilized for a while, and then you're not walking. And we know walking is probably the best thing you can do to keep your memory sharp. In fact, you know, the hippocampus, the part of the brain, I think we spoke about this the last time, tends to decline by about 1% in volume after the age of 50. But several research studies have now shown that people who walk, and this is even a random assignment study, um, who walk three to four times a week for 45 minutes, can can reverse this loss in volume and at least maintain volumetric brain um, function in including improved memory into old age. Yeah, so I think you know balance is incredibly important both physically and mentally. So find activities that you like, 
Uh, again, retirement can be both something we look forward to, but also scary because we lose this balance of kind of work life. Um, and so that's something a lot of the older adults I spoke to said is really important. That's something they learned as they got older. And, and C, the last ABC, is for connection. You know, finding the things you love, finding the people you love, and, and spend time with those people doing those things that you care about. Um, and I think especially during COVID, we, we learned that connection is really important because when we can't be connecting with others, you know, being social, we, we learn just how frustrating that can be. So I, I think keeping those things in mind from a psychological perspective is very important as we get older. Man, this is so much great advice. So I love what you're saying about walking. I've already been walking, but I thought it was just to make myself a little less chonky. But to know that it's going to help my brain is huge. That's extremely beneficial. So I will continue walking. And then what you're saying about being social as well ties into what we recorded a few episodes ago about mental health, which was uh, which was stunning to me that 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 actually is like the number one uh, beneficial thing to do to to keep yourself sane, essentially. So to also know that it's that it's keeping everything uh, our, our neurons firing, so to speak, uh, is is incredible. So it's like, I guess we have to just take walks with friends all the time. I think so. I think that's a good way to think of things and think about your balance when you're walking. Um, you know, it's a trip to the bathroom mm -hmm. at night when it's dark. That's when you could experience a fall. So all of the things we do during the day can, uh, you know, play a major role, not only in our physical function, but um, our cognitive and mental function. And, you know, although walking is a great activity, I wouldn't say that's the only thing you can and should do. It's just simple, free, you know, hopefully you can do it in your neighborhood. Some people do mall walking early in the morning if you live in a cold climate. So, yeah. you know, you can meet your friends and get a, you know, a coffee or a drink. So... But if you like to swim or play golf or dance, you know, there's a lot of research on dance now showing how that can be an incredibly stimulating um, activity for your brain and your body. So anything that get, keeps you moving, I think, is really important. Okay. Well, I love that. Where can people find uh, videos of you dancing online? <laughs> I don't know if I'll, they'll be able to find any of those, but I, I have... Uh, I, I do have the book and I outline, you know, all these incredible stories about older adults who've, you know, faced a lot of uh, challenges in their life and overcome them. And I think, again, that's another thing we've learned from COVID is that it's often younger people who've been challenged by these recent changes. And while older adults can experience some social isolation, uh, some of our recent research shows that older adults are very resilient, you know, finding ways to, to deal with some of these challenges and changes um, to ensure their, their well-being is not sacrificed. Man, unbelievable. Well, you're doing the Lord's work. I don't know if you put it that way, but that's how I see it. Um, I, I sincerely appreciate you not only taking the time today, but being on the podcast twice before. And I hope that some circumstance arises where we get to speak again, because it is always fascinating for me to get to talk to you. Same here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. Absolute pleasure. And I hope for everyone to have a, a wonderful walk today, a wonderful dance, and that their brain remains intact, that they can, that they can reverse some of these uh, natural declines uh, here with uh, Dr. Castell's help. Uh, so we'll see you, see you next time. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. 
there you have it, folks. That is the last, I was going to say bad science, but now the good, the bad, and the science. I guess both. It's the last bad science and the last, the good, the bad, and the science. And I just, once again, appreciate all of you guys listening. Um, I don't normally plug myself, but seeing as this is a, a goodbye, I shall. If you want to keep in touch with me personally, I'm actively on Instagram at Ethan Edinburgh. Uh, that's just my name, nothing crazy, cool, uh, creative and, um, and yeah, Emily, Brett, anything you want to tell people about or any final messages here? Just want to say thank you to everybody who listened to the show and kept us going for so many years and thanks to all the comedians and the science guests and, um, thanks to all the science guests who read my crazy long emails about this show and uh i've learned a lot so thanks everybody yeah and uh shoot us an email honestly if you want to say say anything uh but we do we still have bad science at seeker.com we'll be sharing those emails with with this group uh and i know everyone can't see because this is not a a visual medium but ethan is crying uh, (laughs) heavily so you can tell how, how emotional this is for everybody here yeah it's tough uh, the show has meant a lot to me. Oh, and uh, sorry, Kate and EJ, I also want to thank as well, personally. They've been running the our social for a long time, and they do an unbelievable job of like making things not only look cool, but be kind of funny as well, which I really appreciate. So thank you to them. Um, and uh, and yeah, you know me. I, you know, I, I, I cry at a Pixar poster. So, uh, so I've definitely shed some tears over the show, and I'm sure I will continue to do so. But, um, but yeah, feel free to reach out and tell me to, to feel better and I'll, uh, I'll eat a cupcake and everything will be fine. So thank you guys for listening. See you next time on the next pod, whatever it is until then, I don't know, read a science book. What should they do instead of listening to this every week? Go back and start over. Listen to the first episode (laughs) and do it again. (laughs) Yeah, that's good advice. Just round two. Um, all right. Peace and love, everybody. Bye-bye.